Hi, I'm Simon, creator of Legend of the Bones. Welcome, and thanks for giving this podcast a go. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera, a mix of old-school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. The storytelling will unfold as I interpret the role of the dice. Nothing will be preordained. In Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There will be no re-rolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny and no one will be spared their fate. As this is session zero, I'm going to spend a few minutes explaining why I created Legend of the Bones and what you can expect. If you prefer to get straight into the story, then just skip ahead a few minutes. In Legend of the Bones, there aren't any players. This is an experiment in solo gaming, brought to life through the story. A desire to explore solo gaming is what led me to create Legend of the Bones. Whilst I play RPGs with friends, there's something about slow gaming and world building through solo play which is really appealing. Having said that, this is new to me. I've never played solo before, and I felt that by recording my solo play as a podcast, it would help me bring the experience to life and give it a tangible structure that would not exist if I simply played in my head. I came back to gaming in 2018 after a 25-year hiatus, so I guess you could call me a grognard. With that in mind, Legend of the Bones follows the old-school tradition. I want to capture those feelings of wonder I had as a kid, playing RPGs for the first time, my mind blown by the concept of a game where the only limiting factor was your imagination. I want to create an experience where you, the listener, and I, the creator, can suspend our disbelief and enjoy the ride. The fantasy will be as I prefer it. Grim, gritty, and grounded. And in that vein, I hope it'll be immersive. Episodes of Legend of the Bones will be fairly short, less than 30 minutes. I'll try hard to maintain the immersion through a strong narrative, built around an absolute devotion to whatever the dice dictate. The story will unfold in response to the dice, so I'll be along for the ride as much as you, the listener. At this stage, I should point out that Legend of the Bones is intended for a mature audience. That means there'll be frequent, detailed descriptions of violence, and whilst it will not be explicit, other adult themes may be inferred. Listener discretion is therefore advised. So let's get to the mechanics. I want to keep the game mechanics simple and use a rule set which will be familiar to many of you. So I'll be using the D&D basic expert rules as restated by the excellent old school essentials as the basis for Legend of the Bones. I will be using some house rules however and I'll explain those as they come up. Okay, so let's get to it. So now we need some characters. I'm going to start with four, one for each of the human only classes. At this stage, I don't want any demi-human characters. Humans are the dominant species in my game world, so that'll keep our characters thematic. The rules for character creation are as follows. Attributes will be determined by a straight roll of 3d6. Any roll of 6 or less will be re-rolled. If the prime requisite of any character is under 13, I'll re-roll that too. This is the only time a re-roll will be allowed. Everything else is as the dice show. 
I'm also going to start each character with the maximum number of hit points for their class, but they'll start with no equipment other than the clothes on their backs. Each character will be defined by the six standard attributes Strength, Intelligence, Wisdom, Dexterity, Constitution and Charisma. Oh, and one other thing. I'll be using the optional rule of Ascending Armor class. No other reason than I just prefer it. Okay, let's roll up some characters. First roll. Strength. 12. Intelligence. 10. Wisdom. 17. Hmm, that'll be a bonus to some saves. Dexterity. 5. Time to reroll. A 9. Constitution. 11. Charisma. 12. Hmm, these are pretty good scores all round. With that 17 in wisdom, this character has to be a cleric. Next up. Strength. 17. Intelligence. 12. Wisdom. 9. Dexterity. 9. Constitution. 13. Charisma. 11. Another good set of rolls. With bonuses in strength and constitution, this has to be a fighter. Next character. Strength. 9. Intelligence. 15. Wisdom. 6. Reroll. An 8. There'll be a penalty to some saves there. Dexterity. 11. Constitution. 6. Another reroll. A 9. Charisma. 10. These stats are pretty average, except for intelligence which at 15 will give a bonus to languages. I think this has to be a magic user. Final character. Strength. 12. Intelligence. 12. Wisdom. 9. Dexterity. 13. That'll be a bonus to armor class. Constitution. 11. Charisma. 13. That'll be a bonus to reaction rolls. With decent dexterity, this character feels like a rogue or thief. So now we have our four characters. Let's get into the story. Beric had been drifting in and out of consciousness for what seemed like an eternity. But now, slowly, he became aware of his surroundings. The warmth of the sun on his back, the damp sand beneath his face, the mewing of gulls, 
the sound of waves gently lapping. His limbs ached and his head pounded. With an effort, he lifted himself onto his knees and wiped the sand from his face. Squinting at first, he opened his eyes. The beach was littered with debris and half a dozen bodies. Gulls and crows scavenged among the wreckage. A large section of the ship's broken hull lay like a beached whale. The broken strakes bore witness to the violence the vessel had been subjected to. Unsteadily, Beric got to his feet. Looking around, the scale of the devastation struck him. A nearby crow pecked at the vacant eyes of a dead man until it extracted the morsel and flew off. Gods have mercy, Beric whispered hoarsely. His throat was parched. He needed to find water. Beric began to search for anything that might be useful. The nearest body was that of the man whose eye had been taken by the crow. The man had a dagger on his belt, as well as a coin purse. Beric took the whole belt and tightened it around his waist. At least now he had a weapon of sorts. The second body, that of another man, yielded nothing. But nearby, lying on the sand, was a water skin. Beric snatched it up. It was perhaps only half full, but it was water nonetheless. He took a mouthful. Never had water tasted so good. He replaced the stopper and slung the skin over his shoulder. A few feet away, a woman lay face down in the sand beside a broken barrel. Beric knelt beside the body and began rifling through her clothes. He felt awkward by the violation, but thankfully the woman's auburn hair hid her face. Trying to search the body face down was not easy, so he rolled the woman over onto her back. Just then, a groan escaped from her lips. She was alive. Dramatis Personae Beric Beric is a human male fighter, level 1. He is 22 years old, with cropped brown hair and a short beard. His eyes are blue. He has a long scar running from his left eyebrow down his cheek. He stands at 6 foot 2 and weighs 185 pounds, which, combined with the scar, make him an imposing figure. Truth be told, he has a gentle nature, despite the tragedy of his past. Beric grew up in the small village of Arnfield. Beric's parents died of plague when he was young. He had no siblings and was raised by his kindly aunt and uncle. When he was old enough, Beric worked on his uncle's farm as a labourer and shepherd. One night, whilst Beric tended the flock, a goblin warband attacked. Beric fought bravely, but was struck down by a wolf rider. The goblin's blade slashed across the young man's face, knocking him unconscious and leaving him for dead. The goblins slaughtered everyone and everything that night. They looted what they could before burning the farmstead to the ground. The next morning, folk from neighbouring farms found Beric and brought him to safety. As the days and weeks passed, his wounds healed, but the scar would forever be a reminder of the life and loved ones he had lost. A deep and bitter hatred of goblin kind grew in him, along with a restlessness. Beric knew there was nothing left for him in Arnfield, and now he longed to see something of the world. 
With just a few meagre belongings, Beric left Arnfield and headed west until he arrived at the coastal city of Godsport. The city overwhelmed the young shepherd. He had never seen so many people in one place, nor buildings so grand. The sights and sounds assaulted his senses, and soon he longed for open skies and cleaner air. One day, whilst walking down by the docks, Beric's attention was caught by a man recruiting ship hands. He knew this was his opportunity to see the world, so he signed up. Beric's maiden voyage aboard the Siren was headed for the distant city of Alakazar. The ship, whose captain was a gruff man by the name of Curtis, carried a cargo of brandy and wool as well as paying passengers. The sun shone in a cloudless sky and the sea rippled with a gentle breeze. Beric listened, learned fast and worked hard, and despite his abrupt demeanour, Curtis seemed to appreciate the young man's efforts. On the third day, the weather turned. It started slowly, the wind picking up and billowing out the canvas sails. Rain quickly followed, a few spots at first, but soon it became heavy. Before long, the siren was in the midst of a full-blown storm. The passengers took shelter below deck as the crew struggled to secure the flapping sails as the waves grew in size. The ship lurched as the swell lifted and dropped the vessel with enormous force. Beric stumbled and reached out to grip the rail to steady himself. Suddenly, a scream came from above him as the barrel man was thrown from the crow's nest. The man's arms flailed wildly as he fell before his body hit the deck with a sickening crunch. Though futile, Beric instinctively moved to give the man aid, and as he did so, a dark shadow loomed overhead. He looked up. An immense wave towered above him. The ship lurched again. There was a sharp crack, and the mizzen mast snapped like a twig, and Beric was thrown off his feet as the wave crashed down on the vessel. And then, there was only darkness. Easy now, said Beric gently, as he cradled the woman's head and brought the water skin to her lips. The woman took a sip of water and coughed. <coughs> Can you sit? The woman pushed herself into a sitting position. She blinked hard, surveying the scene as she did so, but saying nothing for several minutes. Eventually, she broke the silence with little more than a hoarse whisper. Poor souls. She turned to Beric, stared at his face, as if trying to recognise him. A thin and somewhat forced smile broke upon her lips, and she spoke again. Thank you, sir. I'm just glad you're alive. My name's Beric. May I ask your name, lady? Lena. You may call me Lena. Very well, Lena. I do not hold much hope, but... We should check if there are any other survivors. Do you think you can stand? Beric extended a hand to Lena, who took it and allowed herself to be helped up. The pair checked the bodies that were scattered across the beach. Beric was right not to hope, for there were no other survivors. Among the dead was Captain Curtis. His eyes stared lifelessly. Beric closed the captain's eyes with his hand. 
A search of the dead yielded a coin purse with 14 silver shillings and two daggers. Perhaps we may salvage something of use from the remnants of the hull, suggested Lena. Agreed, Beric replied, and they went to investigate the large section of the siren's bow. As they rounded the hull, they could see the figurehead had been torn from the bow peak, leaving nothing but a pair of elaborately carved fins. Two more bodies lay on this side of the wreck, neither yielding anything of use, but had already been made a meal for the gulls. Turning their attention to the ship, Beric found some rigging from which he was able to salvage nine yards of rope. This he coiled and slung across his chest, before Lena called him over to where she was standing beside the broken hull. As Beric approached, Lena directed him with a glance towards an iron cage that was bolted to the hull. The bars had been twisted and bent out of shape by the forces to which the ship had been subjected to. That in itself was unremarkable, but huddled in the corner, in soiled, ragged clothes, was a man. The man in the cage is Kier, a human rogue. Neither Beric or Lena know him, but Beric does know that a stowaway was found on the siren, and that Captain Curtis had them thrown in the brig. Therefore, I'm going to rule that Beric will correctly assume that Kier is the stowaway. Kier has a charisma of 13, which gives him a plus one to reaction rolls, but I'm going to use a standard ability check for human and demi-human reactions. So let's see what Beric and Lena think of him. The roll on a d20. A 10. That's a success. The man lifted his head. Under the grime and filth, it was clear he was young, perhaps 17 or 18 years old. He looked pleadingly. Please, he implored. Please help me. Who are you? asked Lena. And why are you in this cage? It was a stowaway, Beric answered before the man could say anything. The man got to his feet and approached the bars. It's true, the man confessed. I was a stowaway. I needed to make haste leaving Godsport. I had no coin for the passage, so I slipped on board. It was a small evil, to avoid a greater one. Please, for the love of the gods, help me. Eric looked at Lena. Whatever he has done, he doesn't deserve to die like this. Agreed? Agreed. Well then, we'll need something to bend these bars. Here, help me with this. Beric grunted as he lifted a four-foot section of broken strake before wedging it between the two bars which were most bent. This is going to be a challenge. Beric is attempting to bend the cage bars using timber from the ship as a lever. Whilst the bars have already been weakened, this will still be difficult. I'm going to make an ability check against Beric's strength of 17. However, given the difficulty of the task, I'm going to apply a minus four penalty. Having said that, Lena will be assisting, so I'll add a plus one modifier to make a net penalty of minus three. 
meaning Beric needs a 14 or less. Here's the roll. Nat 20. Oh, that's bad luck. A critical fumble. Let's see what happens. Beric and Lena took the strain, pulling at the strake with every ounce of strength they possessed. Sweat broke out on Beric's skin. The muscles in his arms and shoulders burned with the exertion. The bars creaked. That's it! He grunted through gritted teeth. The bars creaked again. Suddenly there was a loud crack as the strake snapped. The sudden release sent Beric and Lena tumbling back to land in the heap. They picked themselves up, fortunate to not have hurt anything but their pride. We need to use our brains as much as our brawn. Look. Lena pointed to the hinges of the cage door. I'm no blacksmith, but these are half-pin barrel hinges. If we can lever the gate upwards, then it should fall off the hinges. You're right, and I'm an idiot. Here, help me with this. Beric picked up another piece of hull debris, wedged one end under the door and placed a rock underneath to create a lever. Right then, let's try this again. Push! They pushed down on the timber with all their weight. There was a creaking as metal rubbed on metal and the gate inched up. Just a little more! With a final push, the gate lifted three of its hinges and fell sideways. Thank you, friends, said the young man. My name is Kia. I'm Beric, and this is Lena. Here. Beric handed Kier a water skin, and as the rogue quenched his thirst, Beric surveyed their surroundings. The beach was part of a large cove enclosed by cliffs some 80 feet high. There was no obvious way to scale the cliffs safely, but Beric noticed a cave in the northern cliff. There's nothing else for us here, and these cliffs look too difficult to climb. Perhaps if we're lucky, it may lead to an easier ascent. Agreed, but we'll need light. You're right. Perhaps we can make torches from the debris. As a boy, I learned how to make fire without a tinderbox. If we're lucky, I should be able to get a fire going. I'm going to make two ability checks for Beric to see whether he can make a fire. Firstly, an intelligence check to see if he correctly remembers the technique that must be used. Beric has an intelligence of 12. The roll. A 4. Next I'm going to test against his dexterity to see if he can make it happen. Beric's dexterity is 9. The roll. An 8. That was close. I'm also going to say there's a 25% chance that the party discovers some of the ship's cargo of brandy, which may come in use. The roll on a d100. 5. Well, that is some luck. Lena and Kier set to work using the ship's timber and cloth from the dead to make crude torches, whilst Beric, using his dagger, prepared the materials required to make a fire. Kier found four bottles of brandy in a broken crate and suggested that this should be used to soak the rags. Once everything was prepared, they gathered their salvaged equipment and the three of them trudged across the sand towards the cave. 
At the entrance, Beric set to work making a fire. He had prepared a bow drill and fireboard from the salvaged wood and unravelled some of the rope for the string. The rope also yielded some fibres to act as kindling. After a little trial and error, Beric soon had the fireboard smoking and a few minutes later he was able to see an ember. Shortly, the party were warming themselves on the small fire. They were hungry, so Keir scavenged some seaweed from a nearby rock pool, which he told them was edible. It was meagre fare, and tough, but it was something, and at least for now they had some water and warmth. Beric gave one of the daggers to Keir, who readily accepted it. The third he offered to Lena, but the young woman refused. I cannot, she explained. How so? Beric asked curiously. I am a novitiate of the Nine. It is not permitted to wield a blade. Forgive me, I am a simple farmhand. Until now my world was small and I know little of the gods. Well then, shall we see where this cave takes us? Beric stood and tucked the dagger into his belt. Kier passed him one of the torches which Beric lit in the fire before kicking sand over the flames. Let's go. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. If you like what you've heard, then please consider giving it a five-star review in your podcatcher of choice. You can follow me on Twitter at LegendBones, email at legendofthebones at gmail.com, or go to legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, character profiles, maps, and more. I want to take the opportunity to give a huge thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore, which has been an enormous influence and inspiration in the creation of Legend of the Bones. If you've not listened to Tale of the Manticore, you really should. It's amazing. If I can achieve half its quality, then I'll be delighted. Join me next time to find out what perils await our adventurers as the Bones decide their fate.